Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. I am back from vacation. Yeah, since we talked last, you were sunning yourself on the shores of Hydro Base, I think. Yeah. Right there outside Avengers Mansion. Yeah, Stingray and I were hanging out. Yeah. Who doesn't want to hang out with Stingray? <laughs> what a nice chap. Ah. How I, was that? I, I, you know, the sun, the sand, the surf. It was tiring. I had three kids with me. And Did you see Namor? Most of them were mine. And, oh, wait. No, they were all mine. <laughs> wait, I think I brought home the right ones. No, I didn't see Namor. I didn't see anything. I'm tired. I just finished reading all of these issues that we are going to do. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Both of these issues that we're going to do. I just finished reading them yesterday. I'm actually on vacation still this week. Do you have a job? Uh, I hope I do when I go back. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Previously on the Avenging Hour, while Cap and most of the team battled the Squadron Supreme at the Brand Corporation, Thor and Moondragon traveled back to the Old West to help Hawkeye foil Kang's plans. With the help of Two Gun Kid, Rawhide Kid, Ringo Kid, Kid Colt, the Sundance Kid, Kid Eternity, the Dynamite Kid, Billy the Kid, the Cisco Kid, Kid and Play, the One Two Three Kid, Kids Incorporated, Kid Rock, the Cincinnati Kid, the Kids in the Hall, Kid Creole and the Coconuts, Ugly Kid Joe, the Durango Kid, Kid Flash, Kid Galahad, the Karate Kid, and the Knight Rider, but not Knight Rider. And now episode 63. I want to see the Avengers uh, Kids Incorporated crossover. <laughs> I pay real money for that. Actually, I'm trying to see the Avengers Kid and Play crossover. I'm not even sure if half of those people were in that issue, were they? Kid and Play was not. No? Sadly. They had their own Marvel comic, though. Did they really? They did. I don't even know who Kid Galahad is. It's an old boxing movie, I think, um, Jimmy Cagney. Humphrey Bogart. Sure, he was in it, too. One of those people. I don't, it was a boxing movie, I think. Cincinnati Kid, that was uh, Steve McQueen. We're doing two issues today, I think. We, anybody else you want to call out? I'm looking at your notes to see if there's anybody else I can Do you know the 123 Kid? You know who that is? No, who's the 123 that's, Kid? That's X-Pac. That's first. what he was called back when he was D-Generation X, right? Or before D-Generation X? That was before D-Generation X. Before D-Generation X. That was before my time. No, it wasn't. Well, it was before I started watching <laughs> wrestling. I was alive, but I wasn't watching wrestling. Oh, are we going to go? Yeah, we can I actually have some DC Comics references in there, too. Kid Flash, Kid Eternity. Oh, yeah. I like Kid Eternity. He would do well with Immortus. I want to see the Immortus-Kid Eternity crossover, since they basically have the same power. They're probably the same version. It's, did Steve Englehart write Kid Eternity? <laughs> Kid Eternity is just another version of Kang. <laughs> Issue 143 from January of 1976. This one is by Steve Englehart and George Perez, and it's called Right Between the Eons. When we left our time-twisted team, they had just stopped a train robbery orchestrated by the minions of Kang to secure some uranium to use for something or... Uh, I don't know. Something. It doesn't matter. There were horses and gunshots, and Hawkeye took his shirt off. It was pretty awesome. Now, even though they already know who was behind the attempted theft and where to locate him, they still feel the need to interrogate some poor sap named Ace. Kid Colt thinks shooting the man's hat and pants off is a good start. Thor disagrees. The Avengers ditch the Cowboys, with the exception of Two-Gun Kid, and ride off to Kang's Citadel in disguise. The disguises last all of about three panels before eagle-eyed Kang realizes that Hawkeye and Moondragon are merely wearing hats. <laughs> he blabs on and on about the Celestial Madonna and how he's the master of time and how the Avengers have forever thwarted his plans even though they've only been in existence for what, like 12 or 13 years at this point? He zaps the good guys away, but we'll have to wait to find out where because now we're back to present time and Captain America has a plan that makes no sense. See, Vision can't phase through the bars of the cage that Dr. Spectrum created because of its alien energy. But maybe, if Cap puts his shield against those bars and the vision phases through the shield, everything will magically work, because science and physical matter are merely illusions created by the mainstream media to keep the Washington <laughs> elites in power and feed the fat cat lobbyists who profit off war and racial strife and something about GMOs and chemtrails and Benghazi and hanging chads and... Ah, geez, sorry, got a little off track there. 
So, that idiotic trick works, and the rest of the team escapes their holding cell. Back in the Old West, Kang has created a giant purple monster that looks vaguely like the one on the cover, except that that one's green. He states that it's a mix of 41st century science and a coyote, which makes as much sense as anything, really. Moondragon, Hawkeye, and Two-Gun Kid try their best to battle the beast, but their attempts are for naught. Things look bad until that other guy sneaks into Kang's control room and attacks him. Who is that blonde guy with the beard and the fancy walking stick? Oh, right, it's Thor. I'm not exactly sure why Kang acts so surprised. He knew Thor was back in time with them. Thor's the one who sent him toppling into that time void in the first place. Kang is a moron. While Thor is busy punching Kang through walls and across streets, Moondragon summons the power of her mind to zap the monster's brain and bring an end to its rampage. Then Thor gets Kang so worked up with trying to defeat him that Kang accidentally zaps himself into non-existence and, since Immortus was a version of Rama Tut, who was also a version of Kang, all the time-traveling guys cease to be and the Avengers are trapped in the past. The end. A roll call for this issue? Thor, Hawkeye, Moondragon, Captain America, Iron Man, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Beast, Kid, Colt, Two-Gun Kid, maybe Ringo Kid, and Patsy Walker. Our villains are Kang in a magic cage. I, <laughs> I didn't really put a lot of effort into that. <laughs> we last saw the magic cage in issue four. Sorry. <laughs> oh, if only. There's not really a lot here. It's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, I have very very few notes on this issue. I'm just going to be the jokey guy today. So. <laughs> well, no, that's good, because there's not much else to talk about. I do like the fact that Kang... You know what I like? I don't know. I'm waiting. <laughs> uh, Kang in this issue is a little bit more controlled, at least at first. <laughs> kind of unravels at the end. But at first, Kang's a little more controlled, a little less uh, wackadoo crazy than he's been portrayed in, in other issues. He doesn't let his emotions get the best of him right away. He comes out strong at the beginning of the issue. I'm thinking it's just because he's just been hanging out in the Old West now for a little while, and he didn't think anybody was going to do anything to him. Also, not sure why Moondragon's wearing, like, a bikini all of a sudden, or, uh... Isn't that her costume? Is that her costume? It, is it just that when she's wearing the cape, you don't realize how ludicrous it looks? Maybe, yeah. Because she's basically just wearing, like, a one-piece bathing suit and, and thigh-high boots. Or, no, not thigh-high. No, no, they're not even knee-high. It's a lot of skin. I mean, especially since she's bald, that's even more skin. It looks like a lot of skin. <laughs> Back in, uh... The Captain America Avengers plotline. Scarlet Witch attempts to try and set women's rights back even farther when the Vision manages to, as you so so well put pointed out, implausibly stick his hand through the through the net. And Scarlet Witch thinks, "Incredible, my man is incredible." She didn't even say it out loud. And yeah, that's the other thing is she's not even bragging about it. She's just thinking to herself, which irritates me because that one issue way back when, when they were trapped in transient and she was just walking around the countryside, she was blabbing her mouth off. She wasn't thinking That's stuff. Uh, I also, we also find out in this issue that Captain America really does not like puns. They weren't invented until after. <laughs> after his first. Yeah, he didn't know. He's a very serious man, Captain America. That is a very bad drawing of Captain America on the very left there. That is not the that best one, of, of yeah. George Perez's work. Perez has done better. He was really just starting at this point in time. Let's, we'll give him a little bit of slack. The creature that you mentioned that he says is a mix of something and a coyote, <laughs> I'd like to point out, looks nothing like a coyote. It looks like a purple lizard man. It looks like a lizard. Yeah. And, you know, now correct me if I'm wrong, but in the American Southwest... They have lizards, right? They do. Maybe since we drew it to look like a lizard, we could have changed the dialogue to reflect that it looked like a lizard. And lizards in the Old West don't look like coyotes. No, no, I, <laughs> not at all. Maybe elsewhere, I don't know. Maybe it's a coyote lizard? Maybe that's what he meant to put in? I don't know. If it's a coyote, it's ugly. It's a coyote. Coyote <laughs> ugly. You know what? Let me take another pass at that. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You got another one that's worse? <laughs> no. No, sadly, I do not. So, 
I guess we are meant to believe that Kang is dead. Sure, it makes sense. It's kind of, and I think this. I think when when this was written, I honestly believe that they intended this to be the end of Kang forever. Probably. I think Kang Amortis Ramatat. I think Steve Englehart was like, "Don't feel like getting any more letters telling me how badly I'm dealing with time travel. They're gone." And it seemed a good way to get rid of it. It seems a little anticlimactic to me. Well, yeah. But, you know, it goes with the Avengers trend of never actually beating a villain or <laughs> just letting villains get away. I do believe that we will not see Kang again for about ten years. I'm guessing it'll be under another writer who went, Ah, oh, I don't have anything to write. Well, let me go look through some back issues and see who I can dig up. Oh, hey, look at this. I don't think he comes back to Roger Stern's run. Yeah. I uh, love the sound effect that when he actually spreads out, it says, Kang. Is he speaking, or is that the actual noise that he makes as he dissipates? Maybe that's where he took his name from. As he was traveling through time, he noticed people just disappearing into the time stream, and they went, Kang. Kang. <laughs> I have nothing else to talk about with this issue. I really cool. don't. Why is uh, why is Moon Dragon crying? Uh, because there is one less god. She still thinks she's a god, doesn't she? Well, and what, who else does she think is a god? Immortus? I guess, I guess Immortus. She thinks Immortus is a god. <laughs> the god of goatees? What has he ever done that's made him a god to her? He's pulled dead people out of his time stream and brought them back to life. <laughs> that is actually pretty impressive. <laughs> Most um, Kang. But yeah, it is weird that Moondragon sheds a tear at the end. We'll see this again with her coming up in a couple of years when we do the Korvac saga where at the end of all at the at the end of, of things when the villain is dead, she sheds a tear. She seems to be a little emotionally unstable. But we'll find out more about Moondragon. I love there's another panel there of just text. Because yes. they had to explain why they were not gonna be around anymore. Although I don't understand if Kang disappeared, why Mortis was even still there to begin with. He well, had just enough time to come back and go, Hey, I'm gonna leave too. Yeah. One, I don't understand why they thought we'd care. Because if King was gone, we would never expect to see Romatun or Amortis again. When I was reading this one, I had forgotten that they got... I guess they all got there in Kang's time sphere, right? Who? No, the Avengers? Yeah. No, they used, didn't they use Dr. Doom's time machine? Yeah, I guess. But then they, in the next issue that you're going to read now, they leave the Old West in Kang's time sphere, and I was completely confused. I am not reading it. I was like, wait, if... Hang's gone. Why is his time sphere still there? I don't think I have. I just assume they'd be trapped in time forever. I'm like, well, that they're screwed. <laughs> they're just going to be I old West people is, now. I think when Steve Englehart wrote this, he intended this to be the last time we saw Moon Dragon, Thor, or Hawkeye ever again. Makes sense. Either that, or they were going to do a spin-off book, uh, Old West Adventures. Shaq's <laughs> kind of awesome. I don't think Thor. It would be a really boring book. Someone would pop up. Thor, Moon Dragon would immediately beat them. <laughs> just annihilate them. And that would be it. All of all the kid cults villains that you talked about before, right? <laughs> I'm the fat man. Thor, <laughs> Thor is not impressed by the fat man. How about Stan Soapbox? Stan Soapbox mentions that 1977 will bring us both a full-length live-action Spider-Man movie and a Hulk movie. Stanley is lying. Well, there was a Spider-Man movie. It was on the TV, right? <laughs> when you write, when you say that it's going to be a full-length live-action movie, you, you seem to imply that... I mean, full-length, I guess, could be anything, but when you say full-length movie, people go, oh, I'm going to see that in the theater. Yeah, well, I'm sure they probably in originally intended it to be in the theater. Not full-length interrupted by commercials <laughs> for Jiffy Pop. And then basically just a backdoor pilot for a television series that ran... Or was, were they a series of movies? No, there was a series. It was an actual series yeah. with Nicholas Hammond, right? Yes, yes. I think it yeah. lasted a season or two. So 70s. And then, of course, Hulk... Also, so 70s. I was never a big fan of the Hulk television show, even as a kid. I know I'm supposed to have, uh, you know, we're supposed to love that kind of stuff, but I just, I again, I'm not the biggest Hulk fan, period. Yeah, I'm not either. And I think that was the first, the first thing I can remember where television had a formula. 
where you know you had yes. the villain of the week or the accident of the week that he had to clean up and then he walked away and then you see stuff with like house and bones and CSI and shows like that and it's the same formula and you're like oh my god this never goes away <laughs> I kind of like the fact that you just drew a direct line from the Hulk to house <laughs> and same I would, thing really I, would, I think the Hulk had lupus I would, <laughs> I would love to see those title characters reverse so you have an entire episode of House being telling that stupid reporter to leave him alone right while you have a whole episode of the Hulk banging around a hospital trying to you know um, if he doesn't take his pain meds he could be really angry so that, that is kind true. of the same thing oh there's a good Saturday Night Live skit there <laughs> it probably is Hulk MD you know Hulk, <laughs> Hulk. Stan Lee um, not only does he talk about that but he also manages to find time to shill for the fact that Marvel publishes magazines like Celebrity Woo-hoo. and for the fact that he's going to be doing a speaking engagement at John Hopkins yeah. and he even manages, manages to mention Son of Origins of course he does I don't know what that is but I can't remember did you have anything in the bullpen bulletins uh, Marvel Presents and Marvel Chillers are showcasing Bloodstone and Modred the Mystic respectively <laughs> according to the, the type there they've got a hunch that these two thrillers will soon be as sought after as Silver Surfer. Again, nothing but lies. <laughs> wait, wait, it was it was Bloodstone and who? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, well, to an extent, they're right. It will be as sought after as Silver Surfer, whose book is, if it's not been cancelled yet, will be cancelled very soon. Mm-hmm. True, true. I think what they mentioned in there, Bloodstone and, and Modred, were both, I think they're only scheduled to be two or three issues, and then they're getting taken over by Guardians of the Galaxy and Tigra. Yes, and if you're being pushed out of your book by Tigra, you know that your popularity is very low. If they're announcing that before you even had your first issue, that's Probably telling you something. Hey, Modred, save your money, buddy. (laughs) They also mentioned that Marvel Premiere and Marvel Feature will now have rotating characters. Not Marvel Feature, Marvel Spotlight. Yeah, Marvel Spotlight was Son of Satan. Uh, But now they're going to be rotating. You might get a story about the Liberty Legion, or you might get a story about Moon Knight, or if you're lucky, you'll get a story about Wood God. You will get a couple stories about Wood God. The Eventually, God you'll, get of a, wood. you'll get a story about Dominic Fortune, and I think there's one on 3D Man. And You know, Dominic Fortune is mildly interesting, and 3D Man has potential. Talk about <laughs> Wood God some more. This is a character that has no potential. I don't even... Was, wasn't Wood God a villain? No, no. He helps the Hulk... I, I think thought I knew it was a Hulk person. You know, we've talked about all these podcasts we want to do when we finish the <laughs> Avengers, but I really think the Wood God podcast has to go to the top of the list. It's it'll only, be, it'll, it'll only like, take us like two weeks, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like two episodes. And for those of you that don't know who Wood God is, I refuse to explain it. Look it up online. Yeah. And it says the Vision is going to be getting a run in sp- on Marvel Spotlight, but if that happens, I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, I'm not. I have... They also mentioned in the bulletins that the Mighty Marvel checklist is coming back, and I hadn't realized until they said that that it's been gone. For a long time. And it is going to come back with a vengeance. Yeah, yeah. We'll be talking about that uh, possibly next issue. Next week. Or next issue. Is it next issue? I'm not sure. I don't remember. Any letters you wanted to mention? Uh, Michael Blake of Burke, Virginia is super curious about Vision's mating ability. He seems to imply that Vision should recreate Ultron 8 for the sole purpose of giving him genitals. Well, basically, it seemed to me that what Michael Blake wanted to ask was, does the Vision have semen? But he was dancing around that question (laughs) in every way possible. Well, you know, he's basically human, but he has synthetic organs. So does he have, you know, the stuff that maybe could let him have kids, maybe? Well, and it's interesting because their answer, and again, this is the 70s, so they can't really talk very much, but the answer is like, it's a lot easier to make artificial blood than it is to make artificial semen. Which would be true, I think. I don't know. I don't I've know never tried to make either, work. but I, 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 I think that's the case. I mean, it's like Data in The Next Generation. He has sex with, with Tasha Yar, but I don't think he can get her pregnant. All right, so <laughs> any other letters? Nope, that's all I had. Um, Ann Nichols of Williamsport, Maryland 
says that they should have more than two women on the team. And I would agree with that. I think it would be nice to see more than two women on the team. But how many? How many? Three? Should they just have three? Have 14, 15. <laughs> um, I mean, what do they consider a team at this point? Because people keep coming and going. That's so true. Um, but I think that it's in the 1970s, it's a little too... It's a little too early to expect that. And besides, this isn't the X-Men. Well, that they're ho- all women. That hospital has to have more empty beds. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> you just bring all the women in and have them in the hospital. So, um, who's your MVP this issue? My MVP is Thor, who is incognito for no reason. Yes. <laughs> My MVP is also Thor. I mean, he does basically kick butt against Kevin. I don't understand why he turned into Don Blake and then put a beard on right? and a hat. Well, I guess he didn't look as muscular then. I don't know. Uh, useless character? Scarlet Witch. She, she doesn't even speak. Yes, I, I agree with you. Again, I'm with you. Wow. I don't remember the last time we've actually agreed on both of those categories. Avengers level threat? Nope. Of course it is. It's Kang. He's yeah. an Avengers level threat. Sure he is. And if he's not, what about that cage? Uh, Science be damned. Final grade? I gave it a C minus. I'm not impressed. I gave it a B. Oh, no, come on. No, no, no. Seriously. It's not a bad issue. I like what they're doing. I, I really like what they're doing with Captain America's team. That's getting interesting. What? <laughs> They were trapped in a cage for three issues. <laughs> yeah, but they got out this issue. I'm glad that we wrapped up the Old West plot, but that, that wrap-up was a little too quick and a little too clunky. Still, why is it a B? <laughs> maybe, think... it, maybe it'd be minus. <laughs> All right, so we've got one more issue to do. Avengers number 144. This is from February of 1976. It is called Claws. And it's by Steve Englehart and George Perez. They should have just stuck with what they had. It's called the Hellcat Cometh on the cover. She is Cometh Crotch first. <laughs> she really is. Captain America and his team of Avengers had been captured by the evil executive of the Brand Corporation, but have managed to escape their cell. Now they sneak around the Brand compound trying to, um, do something. Jeez, this subplot has been creeping along for so many issues now that I don't even remember why they're here or what they're doing. I hope the issue fills me in. Ah, look at that! The Vision, Robot to the Stars, kindly reminds me that operatives of the Brand Corporation, a subsidiary of Roxxon Oil, had attacked the Beast and then Captain America. The Avengers are here to find out why. Boy, that's pretty simple. Simple seems to be the best the Avengers can understand, though, as they seem surprised to learn that the president of the Brand Corporation knows they're free and is monitoring their process, gleefully explaining that the Avengers will never make it out of here alive. Bum, bum, bum. And with that, he shoots a guided missile at the group. You have to appreciate his direct approach. Luckily, the Scarlet Witch hexes it away, but it has a friend, although Iron Man is able to dispose of it, although doing so hurls him through the floor on which his teammates stand, sending them all plummeting into the depths of the Brand Corporation. Way to go, Metal Nose. The Avengers land safely, but there are more missiles coming at them, so the heroes decide to seek some cover. Part of the group soon find themselves in a storage area filled with boxes, and they soon stumble onto the costume of the Cat. The Cat was Greer Nelson who had a short-lived career as a superhero when Marvel thought books about women would sell, but it didn't last, and she soon became a werecat, changed her name to Tigra, and ditched the costume. The costume gives its wear some minor cat-like superpowers like increased agility, claws, and the urge to bite anyone who pets them wrong, secret weakness cucumbers, and Cap and Iron Man think that their current stowaway, Patsy Walker, should don the suit and become a superhero. Despite proclaiming her desire to be a superhero for the last few issues, This offer seems to take Patsy by surprise, and she covers by flashbacking through her life, which we've already covered. We do find out what her relationship is with the Beast. Seems he showed up mostly unconscious on her doorstep one morning, and she nursed him back to health, learning his secret identity when he mumbled it during his delirium. She finally ends her trip down memory lane by saying yes, 
But now Cap, ever the drama queen, says he's changed his mind and thinks it's a bad idea. Geez, Cap, maybe you should take your medication. Patsy could care less what Cap thinks, grabs the costume and does a quick strip tease right there, peeling off her clothes and hopping into the costume of the cat. However, she wants a name with a little more bite. She's going to be called the Hellcat. Hey, didn't we leave some Avengers in the Old West? We sure did. And now that the threat of Kang has been ended for all time, forever and ever, never to return, honest we mean it, Hawkeye, Moondragon, and Thor are ready to return home. They're saying goodbye to their new cowboy friends when the two-gun kid asks to come back to the future with them. Thor's not so sure this is a good idea, but Hawkeye's all for it. Maybe two-gun can even join the Avengers, since there'll be an opening because Hawkeye's leaving. Again! <sighs> Drama queen number two. He really learned all the wrong lessons from Cap. One more scene change as we race toward the end of the issue. Back at the Brand Corporation, the Avengers have regrouped, now with an extra superhero. And it's a good thing, too, since the Squadron Supreme has found them, and they mean to rough them up. It's time for a good battle, but we don't get one. See, the guided missiles from before, well, some of them have been diverted by the Avengers out of the building, and the neighbors kind of noticed, and someone called the cops, who are now here and just a teensy bit curious what the hell is going on. So Mr. Jones, the head of Brand, pulls the switch and sends all of the Squadron and the Avengers on a little journey to the Squadron's world. To be continued. Our roll call this issue is Scarlet Witch, Vision, Iron Man, Captain America, Hawkeye, and Thor. We still have Moondragon and the Beast wondering if they're Avengers or not. We have Hellcat, uh, and we have the Two-Gun Kid. And our villains, uh, we see the Squadron Supreme, but the only one that gets a chance to say anything before they go tumbling through dimensions is Hyperion. And we do see Colonel Buzz Baxter. So, according to the cover, you wanted the Hellcat. I did. Well, you got her. Damn straight. We get to say hell a lot in this episode. <laughs> right? Well, I figure if it's in her name, hell now becomes a fair game. Uh, I have problems with this issue. What problems could you have with this issue? Let's start with the fact that the Brand Corporation is firing off missiles inside its own building. That seems unsafe. Or the, the fact that the Avengers, when they divert these missiles, just send them shooting out of the building, which is apparently in some sort of populated neighborhood. Which is also weird. Granted. Yeah, and the missile goes out through the wall or the roof or whatever and then just explodes like fireworks? That's how missiles work, right? I don't Does it actually explode? I'm assuming it comes down in some populated area and kills, kills a lot of people. Get to the page. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, right. See? It does explode they're like fireworks. Ex they're just exploding over the roof of the building. The bombs bursting in air gave proof <laughs> through the night. Look, I was going to sing Mr. Jones from the Crows and I didn't do that. So. There. Let's stop it. So they're wandering through this place. Beast is somewhat familiar with it, but he doesn't know where they're at at this point. And they just stumble across this costume laying out across a crate like it's sitting on top of the the Ark of the Covenant or something? I don't know. Yeah, that's how that works. Why Why is that there? Uh, why is that there? Did they ever explain it? Did Did the Brand Corporation create the cat? Oh, uh, Iron Man says that they probably bought it like they buy everything else. And then they just left it laying out. Wouldn't it be in some sort of container, maybe? Well, not just laid out. Not just laying out, it's but like, like laid out. Yeah, like it's just waiting for someone to put it on. It looks like Tigra was, you know, like a Jedi who died and she was in the suit. Or she has Ant-Man powers, but her suit didn't. Yeah, because it, it looks like someone was sitting in the suit on these boxes. And just deflated. Just just, just deflated. <laughs> it's very odd. And it, it miraculously fit Patsy Walker, which is cool, I guess. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of busted on Cap in my in my summary about him changing his mind about offering it to her. 
But he seemed awfully out of character for him to it, offer to her in the first place. It was place. really weird. Although, to be fair, Cap does have a lot of experience with just taking random people into battle with him. So Yeah, I guess that's a, that's a good point. He's like, eh, she can't be worse than Rick. If he if he would have said, I don't think she should be a superhero, then Beast could have went, <clears throat> remember that thing I told you before about... <laughs> We've had this discussion, haven't we? I like during her flashback, they have a little thing where they say, Pat's Perky Print by Alice Hartley, New York City. Which is a nice throwback to the romance comics that Patsy came from. Where they would have readers sometimes design um, design oh. outfits. Oh, okay. And then they put a little box there saying, you know, this outfit designed by this reader. So it's cute. It's weird, though. Did somebody actually do that or did they just put that in there as a fake thing? I think they just did it as a fake thing. I have a question for you. I don't remember if it's when Cap first says it the page before or if it's later when he and Iron Man are having the discussion and he says something about, uh, I don't want something to happen to this person like Bucky and Roscoe. Who's Roscoe? I don't know if you remember when Cap was Nomad. In one episode, I was saying that the reason he became Cap again was because this kid had taken his place as Captain America and the Red Skull killed him. That was Roscoe. Uh, Roscoe was a, was a friend of his, <laughs> much like Rick Jones, was this young, young guy. Cap has a lot of friends that seem to be young men that he takes in. Those are the clubs that he frequents. And that was, that was, Roscoe was one of them. And yeah, when he decided he was going to be Nomad... Roscoe was like, well, I'll take over his cap. And that, that lasted for like two issues. Seemed like a good idea. Right? And the Red Skull okay. smooshed him. All right. Two-Gun Kid mm. decides he wants to stay in the past. That seems to come no, out of... No. I'm sorry. Wants to go to the future. Yeah. That seems to come out of nowhere. And I kind of wish, like... I guess. You, Although he's been the only cowboy that was really being thoughtful, I guess, in his own mind. Like, they were showing us a lot of his thoughts. But none of them suggested he no. would want to go to the future. No, no, not really at all. And that's, He was more worried about people finding out what his secret identity was. Right, exactly. I just feel like there could be an interesting story here about the two-gun kid going to the present day. But they don't... <laughs> so we're not going to get that? <laughs> I don't think so. They don't set it up. And my memory is he comes to the present and is basically ignored, is my memory. But even if you go... Even if we don't worry about what's going to happen... In this issue itself, it's just really poorly set up. Isn't it just a weird thing to do, though, anyway? Like, why would you bring someone from 100 years ago to the present time, even if he's only going to stay there for a little while, and then he's going to go back to his own time? How messed up is that, and how is that going to screw up history? It seems, at the very least, irresponsible. It's like a Biff Tannen kind of thing. I hope he doesn't take a sports almanac or something with him. The problem <laughs> is you have three Avengers here where Tonka doesn't think anything through. Well, yeah. Thor, I think, is the kind who'd be like, well, you were a valiant helper, so you may come. And Thor does express some misgivings. But, you know, at the end of the day, Thor's like, we, we, we shall, we, we fought together, uh -huh. we shall drink together. And Moondragon's like, I hate you all. So well, I don't, she does say, are you serious? I don't know. It's, I think if Captain America was here or Iron Man was here or Henry Pym was here, this might not happen. One of them might have put the kibosh on it. Henry Pym would just would have punched him. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, shot him with his gun. He likes to do that. <laughs> freaked out. I, I made fun of Hawkeye deciding he's going to lead the team again. That being said, it actually makes sense for him. That has been set up. The last few issues in the Old West showed that he is really good on his own. Sure. He can do this kind of stuff without the rest of the team. Plus, he tried to go back in time to get the Black Knight and didn't do that, so he's probably thinking he's a big failure. He is not getting Avenger of the Month. I think he wants to go back to taking his shirt off. He's going to go back to that old costume when he was uh, Goliath. And then when he was Hawkeye again, wearing the dress. Oh, um, that's fine. With, I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. If I'm blowing past your notes, just let me know. No, my um, I had the note of Hawkeye's quitting again. Uh, the only thing I had mentioned it before was they had, they had Kang's time sphere, and that's how they're able to come back to the present but I didn't I mean I guess it makes sense because you can't get you can't get back through Doom's time machine unless you have someone with the controls and they didn't leave anybody 
And Kang would have had his time sphere. He didn't have his time sphere with him, but let's say he did. Well, I don't know. Did he? Well, maybe because no, he, he fell backwards. He in fell the back old west. The, but maybe he has it on remote control. And and they're just leaving Kang's Citadel there in the old west. Isn't that going to show up in a history book somewhere? <laughs> no one goes to the old west. They'll never find it. <laughs> They'll be like, and Billy the Kid, he was hiding out in this giant futuristic building that showed up in the middle of nowhere. That happens, right? That's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Patsy is called Vision calls her Ms. Walker, and she says, "Miss Walker, please." Which I thought was odd because I Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, I always thought Ms. was preferable to Miss. That Ms. was more liberated, more more. She's always seemed very feminist to me, and I always thought a feminist would want to be called Ms., not Miss. And maybe I'm. I get. Well, I think Ms. is what you say when you're not sure if someone's married or not. And since she's divorced, maybe she wants to punctuate the fact that oh no, I am Miss Walker. I am single. I mean, it's her choice. She can self-identify however she wants to. It just kind of took me by surprise because I thought what the vision said was correct. I was like, I would like go Viz. Yeah, it's it's the more um, formal. Yeah, if you're not sure. Although she could have said no, that's Mister Walker. Uh, and I love the fact that uh, the vision's talking and the scholar, which is like right, darling. And the beast's like, yeah, bye, darling. I just love that. I love that. When the beast is on, he is a lot of fun. I have nothing, no other notes on this issue. Mm, uh, the only other note I have is for the last the last page. The very last, not the page of the story, the last page. Oh, yeah, right there. Which one? Reflections of a Superhero, the Spider-Man rock album. That's a full page ad. It is a full page with ad. A, with a drawing of Stan Lee. With songs like No One Has a Crush on Peter, A Soldier Starts to Bleed, Gwendolyn, and many, many more. Mm-hmm. How much does that cost? Uh, that is seven thirty-seven for the record album, eight thirty-seven if you want a cassette, or eight thirty-seven if you want an eight-track. Boom! I'm ordering the eight-track. Well, I think we should look on eBay for that because it's probably awesome. You know, I remember eight tracks, which makes me much older than I like to admit. It's an awesome album cover, too. It is amazing. Peter Parker staring in a mirror, and the reflection back at him is actually Spider-Man. And it's being sold by a uh, crudely drawn Stanley. <laughs> what does it say up there? Only only six ninety eight plus thirty nine cents shipping and handling. Oh, that's why it's seven thirty seven. Yep. Oh, and Stanley narrates it. We have to get that. Oh my gosh, yes we do. What well, more for our Spider-Man podcast? And then the next page, the, the inside back cover is uh, Try Spider-Man Vitamins from Hudson, and I'll send you a free Spider-Man poster. I wonder what those vitamins are like. They're probably really hard right now. You can get them with iron or without iron. So they're Iron Man vitamins. Yes, right? <laughs> Seems like they missed an opportunity there. All right, bullpen bulletins. I, I don't have anything to say about Stan's soapbox. It's another know. one of his stupid poems where it's Thanksgiving and he's like, and I thank the printers for being printy and I thank the writers. It's called It's called Thanks. It's by, by Wintry. By Henry Wadsworth Lee. There are days I just want to hit him. <laughs> uh, Marvel beat Esquire in softball. I don't know why they're proud of that. The first issue premieres of Black Goliath and Omega the Unknown are coming. I want to stop here for a moment because they mentioned four new titles. Black Goliath, Howard the Duck, Omega the Unknown, and Warlock. You say what you will about the 70s. But they are trying different things because none of those titles is normal except possibly Black Goliath. Black Goliath is basically a superhero. And Black Goliath only lasted five issues. But Howard the Duck... Everyone knows that, and obviously that's a different kind of book. Omega the Unknown is one of the weirdest books you'd ever want to read. Very weird. And Warlock is about some sort of cosmic Jesus Christ figure. So these books are... He's still around, though. Oh, yeah. Well, so is Howard the Duck. Oh, yeah. Howard the Duck's back now. Um, You know, these... I I really want to give Marvel... I don't know if I want to give Marvel credit or just say that there were a lot of drugs in circulation in the 70s. Aren't we coming up soon to the point with the DC implosion? Yes. 
so both companies are doing where they're throwing everything out there and trying yeah. all kinds of new things and it starts to fail miserably. Well, Omega the Unknown only goes, I think, 10 issues. 10 or 12, yeah. 10 or 12. Warlock doesn't go a ton of issues, I don't believe. Well, Warlock was running in Strange Tales first. So I don't know if you can kind of count that towards the tally or not. And Howard the Duck went for at least 34. Yeah, shows. Howard the Duck was far and away the most successful of them. Um, I'm sorry, other bullpen bulletins? Uh, the new Paul McCartney and Wings album has a track called Magneto and the Titanium Man. I wonder if Stanley narrates that as well. <laughs> uh, Steve Englehart wrote a novelette for a Weird Heroes paperback, which I think is nice. And the Shazam Awards were announced. The winners were announced and John Buscema won for Best Penciler. For Dramatic, right? Yes, Best Penciler, Dramatic Division. Dramatic, dramatic. Not for the Avengers, but, you know, he's an alumni, so we'll keep up with him. <laughs> and we have a two-page letters page. I don't remember the last time we had a two-page letters page. Well, one and a half page. Because, you know, Beth. the marvelous land of Oz needs its own advertisement. Uh, any letters you wanted to point out? Mark Caldwell of Cedar Crest, New Mexico, wants them to replace George Tusco with Sal Buscema. That's like replacing a spork with a brick or something. I <laughs> yeah, I wrote him a hate. I wrote him a hate letter. Any, I don't know, hopefully he gets it. Any kind of horrible analogy you want to put in there? Uh, we have letter from. We have another letter from Mary Jo Duffy. We've talked about her before. Did we talk? I couldn't remember if we yeah. talked about her or not. And we have a letter from Peter B. Gillis. Yes. What, you, what can you tell us about Peter B. Gillis? Peter B. Gillis was born in December, uh, December nineteenth, actually, of nineteen fifty-two, and he will break into Marvel in nineteen seventy-eight. He worked for them and some indie companies throughout the 1980s and wrote a, a very couple of titles for DC. He was never very prolific in comics. He wrote uh, for the Defenders, didn't he? He was the <laughs> last writer on the original Defenders title for oh, the last they like to the new Defenders. Yeah, um, he also um, wrote. I know him from writing Doctor Strange and Strange Tales. He mm -hmm. wrote. The uh, second volume of Strange Tales. The second volume of Strange Tales and the first three issues, I think six or seven issues of Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, which I. Mostly liked. He also wrote uh, some Micronauts, Strike Force, Morituri, and lots of what ifs. He did the entire Micronauts New Voyages run, I believe. I didn't read it. Again, the second volume of Micronauts, not the original one. Uh, I find Peter B. Gillis's writing to be interesting. I, I generally liked his Doctor Strange work. I think he's got some good ideas, but his execution is sometimes a little shaky. His letter basically is complaining about George Tuska as well. Yeah. He says, or the answer to his letter says, more people liked George Tuska than disliked him. I do not believe that. <laughs> I mean, I don't expect them to come out of the letters pages and be like, guys, can we talk? That Tuska guy, he sucks, right? Why did we pay him? I don't expect them to do that. It would be horrible if they did. But that being said, I don't believe that more they got more male praising George Tuska than they did uh, criticizing him. Wouldn't it be funny if George Tuska and George Perez were the same person and they just <laughs> they were getting so much bad feedback that they just changed his last name? And sent him to art school. They're like, you're George Perez now. And he's like, okay, I can draw much better. <laughs> it's been weighing me down. Anything else? Uh, no, no, that's all I have. Benjamin Yallo of the Bronx writes in. He writes in to talk about the vision. In the, we talked about this with the, the issue that the vision goes inside Dr. Pym's body with the serum. Right. And he says... Right, and you, I think you actually brought it up. We right? brought it up on that, on that episode where he, they, they say... Um, How did Beast turn it into something? Yeah, he, at, at first the Vision says he'll make this, the serum intangible. Then he wonders how the Vision made the, series, the serum intangible. The answer that they give is it's the proofreader's fault. <laughs> right. So we are again, first of all, blaming the proofreader. And second of all, suggesting that the proofreader has the... Uh, apparently, inserts can insert... Can just change the story out yeah. well. Can yeah. insert lines, in, which just seems crazy to me. I guess they're the last person that sees it, so who's going to know? I guess. 
MVP? My MVP was Hellcat for being the most interesting thing in this issue. My MVP was the Beast for making me laugh. Useless character? Iron Man. Has, yes. has he done anything lately? Well, what he does do in this issue is he, he diverts the missiles by basically sending them out into a populated area. <laughs> by throwing them at the old people across yes. the street. Very odd. Avengers level threat? Uh, no. No. The no. <laughs> brand corporation is not a threat. Final grade? I gave it a D. I gave it a B minus. I still like it, but there are some issues that don't, some personality issues, especially with Captain America, that don't ring quite true. So, that's that, the episode. That didn't take long. No. That's okay. I said one of these days we're going to come up with, with an ending for our podcast like we do at the beginning. We'd say the same thing. It would be nice if we did it to ending, but I can never put in the time or effort to come up with that ending thing. So we're just going to kind of say, hey, we've got an Instagram account and a Twitter account at Avenging Hour. We have a Facebook page that you can find on Facebook because people know how to do that stuff. Uh, we have a website, AvengingHour.com, and our email address is mail at AvengingHour.com. That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say about that. Cool. Talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.